The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement. Off the Shelf gives a voice to commercial service and product companies selling in the federal market. Roger speaks to members and government officials about procurement policy trends, innovations, and debates. Off the Shelf on Federal News Radio 1500 AM. Now your host, Roger Waldron. Today my guest on Off the Shelf is Ray Bjorklin with Birch Grove Consulting. And uh, Ray, welcome to the show. Thanks, Roger. Well, uh, Ray, um, yeah, we're, this week I guess we're going to talk about uh, <laughs> one of our favorite topics, or at least if you're a procurement geek or a management walk uh, in the federal space, there's a, you can always talk about category management. That's so, right. <laughs> so let's uh, let's talk about category management, and um, and with that, I'm just going to open up you. Where do you want to start? Okay, I got some uh, insights. I've been thinking about it as well for months, years, thinking about category management. That's a scary thought, right? I know <laughs> it is, but that's what a management wonk does. Right? That's right, <laughs> <laughs> and a procurement geek. Yes. <laughs> okay, uh, and just. You know, thinking back to some of the old adages, there's one that says you can't manage what you can't measure. And there's another one that says that bad metrics result in bad behaviors. This sounds pretty ominous there, right? Well, it is ominous. And that's what concerns me about a lot of the initiatives that come out of the government. Forget what, whatever administration we're talking about. Uh, I think that, while everything is well-intentioned, I think that they don't always see the really big picture. And unfortunately, oftentimes they don't think about how it affects the overall market. We're talking about procurement. Yes. And that means how does it affect companies? How does it affect contracting offices? How does it affect legislators that have to appropriate dollars? I mean, they're just a really big picture. And uh, it's hard sometimes without benefit of experience or playing with the data to see that big picture. And I don't claim to have it, the the true big picture, Mm -hmm. but, you know, I think some of those things that that we kind of gripe about on uh, category management or commodity management, as some people would used to call it, you know, are are areas that um, just need a lot more thought. Right. Well, you know, so we set that stage. Let's just, in, you know, in terms of where we're, what we're going to talk about. But, you know, from a contextual perspective, you know, we could talk about, let's do a little bit of the background just for the listeners. You know, this is a concept that, you know, I guess some would say grew out of strategic sourcing. Yes. First, there was strategic sourcing, which has been around for a good 15, 20 years. Yes. The government back in the, you know, the Bush administration you know, they were doing strategic sourcing for certain, um, you know, uh, industry, you know, product areas. Um, and then it sort of morphed into, ca- it became category management in the Obama administration. Could you talk a little bit about? Right. And uh, picking up, you know, from what lessons learned from industry, uh, you know, where large corporations and the government perceives themselves as a large buying corporation, uh, where they get a, um, uh, possibility of great savings and efficiencies. And that's where I say category management has its merits. 
it is not such a bad thing, but you have to think about the unique aspects of the government acquisition environment where dollars are controlled, the flow of dollars is controlled in a very specialized way because of congressional appropriations, OMB apportionment, and the way that agencies have to live within the constraints of uh, certain uh, timelines for spending money. And then you got to think about the socioeconomic policies that are part of the procurement system, part of the federal procurement system. Absolutely. Small business programs really right. is what you're talking about, right? Exactly. And the way the commercial marketplace pursues strategic sourcing or category management and even certain governments like the government of the UK pursues category management, but they don't have the same kinds of constraints from a fiscal viewpoint and the socioeconomic goals viewpoint that we have in this federal government here. Right. That's, and I think cat, so it's, you know, category that those challenges in the federal government context, the category management sort of reminds me of, you know, going when I went to the federal executive Institute down at Charlottesville, right. And there was right. doing classes there and they had this gentleman come, uh, come in and talk who he worked for the Kennedy administration. Um, and just talking about the challenges that private executives have versus government executives. And he was making the case that being an executive in the government is actually a much more challenging job mm -hmm. because of all those stakeholders. So implementing something like category management, um, uh, you know, has this, the, has the same challenges that those managers has is sort of, is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's it. And I mean, look, think about reflect on our constitution, you know, where we have, built in a number of checks and balances among the branches of government, that's not something that occurs in the commercial marketplace. And so you need to put it in that context, the federal government context, to be able to manage it. But, you know, get back to my adages, adage about you can't measure, you can't manage what you can't measure. And, you know, also reflecting on if you pick the wrong measures, it creates the wrong behaviors. And I fear that I, I see that from time to time when I look at the way the government tracks its own procurement system, whether it's tracking the number of dollars that went for socioeconomic awards or whether it's uh, assigning NAICS codes to procurements, you know, all the little nuances of things that can be, uh, and kind of go wrong because maybe you picked the wrong metric and you've created the wrong behavior. So part of this discussion, and we can, um, I know you you wanted to talk about um, I guess the, the measures, the current measures in place, and I guess there's a January 3rd, 2018 um, memo. It's a government-wide category management key performance indicators and definition and guidance. That's a long that's a long title for. It's a long title. Yeah, and is this this is I think this was in draft at one point back yes. a few years ago. Yeah, it's uh, at, you know the Obama administration who really started codifying the processes associated with category management, and again, like you said, the tail end of strategic sourcing. Uh, and what has happened now under the Trump administration has been this uh, publication of the memo, which is about thirty six, thirty eight pages long. 
And uh, I was pleased to see the progress that has been made in defining the processes for category management in this context of the federal government. And the reason why I kind of started off this discussion talking about being able to measure things properly, and you mentioned the title of the document, which is includes KPIs, Key Performance Indicators, there are five major key performance indicators. They're not new. They've been used now for a year and a half, two years in the category management process. But what was intriguing to me is that of these five, which are not prioritized, there was one of them called small business utilization that moved from, I think it was number four up in to the number draft, one. number four, listed fourth in the yeah, draft yeah. to number one. Right, number one in this document. Again, not prioritized, but I think it sends a really constructive message that recognizes that you have to deal with the socioeconomic indicators. And, you know, that sounds like a lot of big words, but the point of it is because this procurement system, federal procurement system, is trying to make sure that there is growth potential and to facilitate that growth potential in the small business community, which eventually grow up to be bigger businesses or join with bigger businesses and create certain amount of additions to the economy, you know, that's all very good. So you need to spend, you know, time and money directing effort to them. But under a lot of concepts of strategic sourcing or category management, small businesses tend to get the short end of the stick. Sure. Yeah. And okay. So they, so small business utilization move, it didn't really move, but it was placed first placed first, rather than fourth with no order of priority, but let's go quickly through the, what the five of the five of them are, and then we're going to have to break and then we can start tackling each of the five. So yeah, the first one is small business utilization. The second one is some or spend under management Generally, it's figuring out what dollars are you tracking within a particular category. The next one, number three, is savings, which you obviously you're trying to get not only better prices because of volume, pricing, economic savings, but you're trying to reduce administrative costs of running a procurement system. The fourth one I know is a topic near and dear to your heart, Roger. Uh, yeah. Contract reduction or reducing the amount of duplication in contracts. Yes, sir. And the fifth one is acquisition gateway utilization, which, okay, how well are you using GSA's website? The OMB's website, but GSA's website for the acquisition gateway. sort of hallways. on behalf of OMB. Right? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and that's that's got some merit too. Okay. Well, with that, on that, Ray, when we come back, we'll start by tackling, you know, and looking, taking a deeper dive into each of these five KPIs and starting with small business utilization since that was first in the list now, right? Right. <laughs> okay. My guest today is Ray Bjorklund with Birchgrove Consulting, and you are listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Radio 1500 AM. Today, my guest is Ray Bjorklund with Birchgrove Consulting. Awesome analysis, inspired insight. Who who got, that's a great tagline, Ray. Is that yours? <laughs> Did you come up with that? 
It is. Worth, that's awesome. It's trademark. That's too. awesome. That's very good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we're doing some of that awesome analysis and inspired insight today with Ray Bjorklin. Um, uh, we're talking about category management and. We you know sort of set the stage with the first segment, and now we're going to take a little deeper dive into the four, five, excuse me, KPIs of this recent memo, uh, recent uh, guide that was issued by OMB on January third, two thousand eighteen. Um, the five KPIs for category management to measure success of the federal government are small business utilization, spend under management, some. Uh, uh, savings, contract reduction, and acquisition gateway utilization. So, Ray, let's start with small business utilization. You know, what are they measuring there, and what are they looking at? Well, again, I mean, it's self-evident, but it's but it isn't self-evident, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, it it isn't. I mean, the the definition in the document is demonstrating the extent to which a program maintains or increases utilization of small business measured in dollars. So, when you study the methodology associated with that measure, that KPI, that, it means... I'm just, that measured in dollars, I can't, I think that's important, right? That's in parentheses there in this, it in is. this statement, but you mentioned it, I think you mentioned it for a reason. No, sorry to interrupt, but go, <laughs> go ahead. Yes, for a reason, uh, because the methodology that is under the category management program is basically the same methodology that Small Business Administration uses to make sure that agencies and the U.S. government overall are achieving the small business, small disadvantaged business goals, the statutory goals. I love that because statutory goal, which is the term, it's it's almost... So it's like a mandated goal, right? Yeah. Kind of yeah. Thing, right? Kind of like, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> it. It is. But, you know, to the government's credit, you know, I think they're doing a lot better several years now that they've been at least SBA believes they have been achieving the 23% overall small business goal. They believe they are. Believe right? they, they are. are. Okay. Because yeah. of the way they measure it. And the way they measure it in SBA is the same way that's being measured under category management. And that means looking at federal procurement data system, that data set we know and love, which is not complete and has many, many errors in it, uh, studying that to say, all right, which one of these contract actions were assigned or awarded to a small business? And the contracting officer, regardless of whether the company or the business unit is in fact a small business, which is defined under other rules, uh, that contracting officer can make the ultimate designation and declaration in federal procurement data system. So, you know, I took the same methodology, look at 2016, which is pretty much a full set now, look at that data in FPDS, and when you measure it, you say, okay, which ones were declared to be awarded, declared to be awarded to small businesses? It's about 22, 23%. That's the number that they were trying to achieve. That's the number that SBA says that they, um, did achieve. But when you step back at it and you look, well, uh, okay, why is it that the same business unit defined by Dunn's number? Here we're getting really wonky into this. Yes, stuff hey, that's okay. <laughs> but yeah, the, the same business unit during one month is given 
a small business award. The next month is given a large business award. See, that's not wonky. That's just like, what's going on, right? (laughs) That's not wonky. That's good stuff. And, you know, I went through and actually measured it. And there were 16,000 business units that were sometimes declared to be small business and sometimes declared to be large business. So there's the same some who, business unit. <laughs> so you're saying there's the, there's some that graduated and then some that like were held back or that they like yeah, regressed or, may, or maybe they regressed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you went up and down like a yo-yo. Yeah, huh? <laughs> and so I'm scratching my head and I'm saying, well, how can sixteen thousand people have graduated? Sixteen thousand businesses, essentially. Nowhere, no way. You know that many people could have graduated. Could it be because the NAICS code chosen for the procurement? required a certain type of company to respond. And if they had that NAICS in their list, then they might've been declared a small. No, it doesn't really come out like that. This is really uh, something that needs to be looked at because a company can't be small one month and large the next. And so you really, it's so it's, I mean, we don't know where to, I mean, you logically, you think that it's the entry of, is it the entry of the information? Is it the decision making by the CEOs and one CEO decides one thing, another CEO decides something else? I mean, there's all kinds of in the system trying to figure that out. If yes. it's not the NAICS codes, because my reaction was, you know, when we talked this, you know, off air, I was like, well, maybe it's the NAICS codes and people pick different NAICS codes. I know they do that oh, yeah. in any event to like set markets or whatever, but, um, but that's, that's interesting. So- so, in a certain sense, I guess so. Are you saying there's bad data in? And yeah. what does that mean? Does it mean can you really? I mean, I'm going back to your quote: "You can't measure, you can't manage what you can't measure." Um, or bad metrics result in bad behaviors. Maybe this isn't a bad metric. It should, it isn't small business utilization, but you know how is this measure resulting in pressure on folks to find small, you know, to say things are small? I mean, I don't know. Well, here's, here's kind of the big, big takeaway. That was a stream of consciousness. That wasn't even a question (laughs) really, right? (laughs) That's okay. Cause here's the big end of the story on the small business utilization. When you look at those 16,000 business units and you look at the contract actions that were, could have been a large business, could have been a small business because during the course of the year, they were categorized as one or the other or both, really. That is about $100 billion. Guess what? That means that roughly 22% of federal spending is questionable. That's the same kind of number. In, to, in terms of who it went to, whether yeah. small or large, right? So, you know, if we were to say And that's that, about like that's about that's the twenty two or twenty three percent exactly they say they've met exactly. the goal. So, exactly. so they could even do and be doing even really it much better be. or they could be doing a lot worse. Far worse. Right. So you we know, don't at, really know. At the, at the worst extreme, it means, you know, there were no new business or no no small business awards, which is not not true. But uh, it just, you scratch your head. You say, well, how can this be? And who's really mining the store on this data? Right. And what from a, okay, so from a management category, management perspective, what do you, what does this mean? Do they, you know, do the the improvements in the entry of data, the identification, what does it, and what does it mean for small businesses as well? Any thoughts there? 
it, well, it may mean, as you said, that small businesses really aren't getting full credit, which means the government's not getting full credit for making small business awards. You know, <laughs> we talk a lot in wonky terms about the color of money. I always say that contractors, only color of money they care about is green. Right. You know, so does a small business really care whether they got a small business award or a large business award? No, they well, really yeah. don't care. They just want the green. Yeah. But in in the end, it means that the program may be distorted. You know, the small business socioeconomic programs may be distorted. There may be missing opportunities, as you say, or we may be looking at the wrong data. Right. So somebody, you know, like I know OFPP requires the agencies on an annual basis to sample and certify their FPDS data. But I don't think that's, it's gotten better. The data's gotten better, but I don't think that's really, really been as, as a aggressive, a sampling and a correction as it should be. Right. Right. So, so here we've got what is probably a, which is not probably, but is a good metric, but you know, the execution underlying it in the data coming in and that's makes it hard to really accurately measure the success or not. Right. So we, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and if this is kind of the leading indicator or KPI for category management, do we really know if we're giving small businesses their due under category management? And also has implications for large businesses too. It's for the market as a whole. Yes. Right. It just, yeah. Course. We don't need to limit it to small businesses. It has implications across the board and for the government, obviously the purchasers and what it means for them and, you know, what are the ramifications of it in terms of policy or, you know, further, you know, examination and oversight of the approach. Who knows? Uh, Ray, we have to take our break. All right. We only got through one, one of the five KPIs. Uh, so, but the next one, I know we're going to do spend under management and savings at least those two, cause they are interrelated. Um, I guess, uh, and that's the two of the K, the two and three in the terms of KPIs for category management. My guest today is Ray Bjorklund with Birch Grove Consulting. And you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Today, my guest is Ray Bjorklund with Birch Grove Consulting. Awesome analysis, inspired insight, Ray. And, uh, and we're talking today about category management, and we're looking at the five KPIs um, and really just trying to take a little deep dive in what they mean, what they measure, what they don't measure, and how what in what the data really tells us or doesn't tell us. And uh, Ray, the net, we talked last segment about small business utilization. Uh, the segment let's start with spend under management or some, uh, as it's called by those in the government wonk land. Um, yeah, so what is some? Uh, that's what I'm still scratching my head on. I think you are too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what, what's the memo say? Or you know, uh, why don't we start there, I guess? The memo I don't know. says, demonstrate the extent to which the program is driving spend to contract solutions, da, da, da. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's really identifying channels for government purchasing, whether that's the schedules program, whether it's some IDIQ, multi-agency contract, and really saying if we assign those particular vehicles to a certain category and if we can define what that category is, then we can figure out 
how well we're steering the money into these channels. So it's it's kind of getting back to more of the Sounds classic. Sounds sort of circular to me. I know. <laughs> Go ahead. About the, the classic strategic sourcing, saying I have a strategic sourcing vehicle and you must use it. Right. It's, or you it's, get credit for using it credit. on the scorecard. That's a good, card. Po- good yeah. point. Yeah. You know, and, and kind of to the um, uh, credit of the PMO, the program management office is running this, they've really introduced, introduced in this particular KPI a level of measuring maturity. So it isn't necessarily really counting it in numbers, like numbers of dollars. That's not the hard end of it. It's like how sophisticated is an agency in choosing to direct their purchasing to those vehicles which represent the category. So again, it, it's much more sophisticated. And I think it's going to take quite a while for them to work out all the scoring. If you read the memo that's out there this, this month, January, uh, you can see that there's a fairly sophisticated scoring method now in place. But that's where you start really wondering whether you might be choosing bad metrics which create bad behaviors. Yeah, and I guess to that, I'm trying to, I guess the thing that I scratch my head about and trying to understand this is, you know, what is a managed contract? You know, you're talking about spend under management. So you can have these measures that show, yes, you are using the quote contracts that, you know, meet, I guess, the definition of spend under management. And again, here's where do, it gets do, circular. Do I, do I it's managed contracts, but what? Do I hear best in yeah, class? Yeah, best in class. So what is, <laughs> no, tell, you tell me, you tell me then, what is best in class? <laughs> Uh, jury's still out on that one. <laughs> I don't think that... I mean, the class the, is not in session. The right? class is not in uh, session, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think that they have a really precise picture. Well, at best in class, they've already chosen quite a few contract vehicles to be best in class. Yeah, I think it's around 33, actually. Yeah. 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 And, and so they're kind of on the right track. But one of those scary things is if you and this gets back to spend under management, if you're, if you're incentivizing agencies to channel their purchasing to these best-in-class contract vehicles, somebody's going to get left out who doesn't hold that contract, and maybe it's a small business. So now we get back to, number one, small business utilization. You know, Are you affecting small businesses incorrectly or inadvertently by having only a couple of contracts that are called best in class for your particular category. And I don't think that that's the ultimate intent. The way I'm reading it is, yeah, they're picking best in class contracts that will be used for tracking spend under management, but that doesn't preclude use of other contract vehicles. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to, okay. That, but you raise a, a really big point that I hear all the time is best in class is the government in a certain sense picking winners and losers yes. in terms of contract vehicles or contracting programs at various agencies. And it does potentially leave people out. And the, you know, I guess, and I guess it's a criticism that I hear is that there's no, there was, there's no direct industry input onto why or what, 
is a best in class about a particular contract. In particular, whether the outcomes, the actual performance on the contract, is at a best in class level, or is it really about the process and just it's a reporting mechanism. Like if you report the data on the transactions, it's your best in class. Um, you yeah. have any thoughts it, on that? It is. It is more than that. I mean, they're they've applied certain criteria, but I I don't think again. And this is, goes back to the first segment that the people that are making decisions about category management policy and procedures haven't really thought about the true big picture of how this procurement system, the federal U.S. federal procurement system works, where you do have the checks and balances, you do have some special constraints, and you certainly have industry participating. And so really understanding all of those market dynamics you know, is required to decide what's best in class. You know, when I was in the government, you know, I went through a rationalization process. We took a few billion dollars worth of, of many contracts, some of which were inherited from other agencies, and we consolidated them into a handful, very small handful. Each one had its own different kind of approach. But the point is that the way those new contract vehicles were constructed, they had to be attractive not only attractive to potential government buyers, users, but also attractive to industry. So I have a question on you that, Ray. If you're measured on spending under, spend under management and you get good grades for doing spend under management, you're, it's, it again, to me it's circular. So I'm going, going regardless of whether the contract's good or not, I'm going to put my my dollars under spend on our man, on our particular contract to get the good grade rather well, than whether to, is to that me, really now this is this is where i think it the the, the government's kind of that's missing. not far-fetched i mean I no, worked no, in the no. government the, the government's kind of missing the point because <laughs> i think it's really essential that they first understand what the category is and i call it market sizing but really understanding what it is because if you're going to be able to understand whether or not you've channeled enough dollars with the right kinds of qualitative criteria, touchy-feely criteria, to the right vehicles, best-in-class vehicles, you know, is it enough dollars or not enough dollars? And when you don't really understand the, the, the full range richness of that category then you kind of miss the point. So I really think that first, it's like any market sizing job, is that you have to spend time defining what that category is. Now, if you look at the the broad definitions are out on the gateway right now, the acquisition gateway, the hallways, and you look at, at what they define, you know, it is, some of it's tight, some of it's kind of loose even going back a couple of years and start to look at how they were defining some of the original categories. They were doing it by product service codes. Get another wonky thing that comes out of federal procurement data system. But they were doing it such a way that was a good stab at it. It was a good first cut, but it didn't really think through what the full scope of a category is. Yeah. And I think in the governments, the government would say, you know, and I've, 
and logically to me, they would say, well, we have to start category management to try to address the concern you just raised. I mean, it's not going to, right? I mean, I think you, you yes. appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Ray, we, we, we only got through, and we really didn't get through. We could talk we about spend. <laughs> we could do a whole show on spend under management, I guess, I guess. But we'll try to do the last three quickly. Savings, contract duplication, acquisition gateway, the, the, the category management KPIs we're talking about today. Um, my guest today is Ray Bjorklund with Birch Grove Consulting, and you are listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal Radio, 1500 AM. Today, my guest is Ray Bjorklund with Birch Grove Consulting. Awesome analysis, inspired insight. And Ray, um, I know you had a couple more thoughts uh, before we turn to the other three KPIs um, about spend under management, in particular, the bi- I think the big takeaway on it. Yeah, the big takeaway, as I was saying before the break, that you really need to understand what your category is all about so you can manage to it and manage the dynamics of that particular category. And there have been some time recently where I've looked very carefully at a particular category, one of the 10 categories. And the federal government says that the category is I won't put a number up because then that reveals which one I'm talking about. And I don't want to pick on any one category. You could say X versus Y, right? Okay. Or, eh. Yeah, but it's... X, yeah. X, X, X. For, no, we don't, we don't go there. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, you look at their number and, and I can reproduce the number because I can take those old product service codes that were first used to define that particular category, run them against federal procurement data system, and I come up with a number X. But when you look at all of the contract actions that could potentially impact, which goes well beyond those codes, and then look at the ones within those codes and see if they really truly are along the lines. Something that you have done. Yes, along the lines consistent with the information architectural framework, like the business reference model for that particular category. Uh, it was like 30% less than the number the government was carrying. That is a big difference. So what is ground truth? Right. And what does that mean for man- spend under managed for that? Are exactly. they, do they have the right measures? Are they looking at the right if things? If they're going to be pushing, try to push I mean, more dollars through it, then maybe they're really distorting yes. the, the dynamics of that particular category. Right. And, and that sort of then relates to the issue of measuring savings, right? If you haven't Absolutely. got the category right, so talk a little bit about that um, particular KPI savings, which is clearly of, of all of them directly related to the the, the three middle ones. Uh, some savings and contract reduction are all very interrelated. So go ahead, savings, yeah, and and contract doing both con- savings and contract duplication. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll segue one and the other. Yeah. We'll start off with savings. Where they're trying to, you know, this is one of the, the clear objectives of category management sourcing is to achieve a certain amount of savings. But it isn't only in, say, volume discounts or, you know, high throughput types of contract actions and pricing. It's also in the administrative burdens associated with running that particular purchase through a particular contract vehicle. 
I'm not even talking about fees. Won't even go there about access fees because that's that's a different thing. That makes a, a vehicle attractive or not attractive, best in class or not best in class. But that's another point. But the point is that since the government doesn't track their in their cost accounting systems exactly what people are doing when they push, you know, their fill out their time card on a weekly basis. Yes. You don't know whether or not they're working on a procurement action or not. So you don't know if this wonderful best-in-class vehicle under a particular category manager's purview is actually more of a pain to use and requires many more hours, which you know would might possibly offset the cost savings. Right. Yeah, right. so how do you really measure save? What it's like is total acquisition cost you're talking about. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. 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 And now we talk about contract vehicles. And you know, one of the objectives of strategic sourcing and category management, and again, one of Roger's favorite topics is how do we reduce the number of contracts and reduce contract duplication out there? And uh, again, you know, when I was in the government, I tried to do that as well. It's not always simple for lots of reasons. You got to keep pushing at it, pushing at it. But I think it's kind of interesting when you look at the year 2015 and look at the year 2016 and look at the number of indefinite quantity contracts that were actually originated in those years. It's about 52,000 each year. And guess what? The number has not gone down. It's actually gone up. And an IDIQ type of contract is usually indicative of a contract vehicle that you would want to have multiple users sharing, whether yes. it's a multi-agency right. or even if it's within one agency, some kind of IDIQ. The number's gone up. So are they really achieving contract reduction? Not yet. In by that measure, which I admit is not necessarily the, the most precise measure, it would take a whole lot of analysis to figure that out. But you know, what are they? How do they? How are they measuring it? How are they measuring you know contract duplication? Yes, there's got to be a decent metric for that, and I don't see it yet. Yeah, I mean that's a tough one, and you know, and along those lines, you know, they look, you know, OMB's got its business case. You know, requirement they put in place a few years ago when uh, Dan Gordon was administrator. Right. I think they're thinking about updating that. Um, they're trying to use best in class contract concept to get people to use. I mean, it, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see what what their data set they start with. Here's the family of contracts at point, you know, right now and, you know, a year from now, where are we looking at that family? Not even, you know, I don't know. That's a tough, that is a tough one to do. Um, yeah. And when, when Dan was there, uh, there was a notion of developing that special web tool. Yes. We listed know? them all. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. didn't go anywhere because of politics among the agencies, but you know, now they do have something available Yeah, and it, it is helpful to at least, and, and you know, it's tied into the, the gateway or the, excuse me, the hallways. And, and that's, that's good because now at least you're, shining a light on the contract vehicles that are out there and maybe through the hallway management, the category managers can illustrate or 
point, not direct, but point agencies to contract vehicles that could satisfy their uh, needs without writing a new one. Maybe the measure is by, you know, estimated contract value or, you know, just how much do you, and you have a, you know, a a layer of contracts that are within a particular dollar value and you look to see whether those are growing or not, you know, the most bank, where most bank for buck would be, right? Or maybe not, because then you got the repetitive smaller ones and you're doing them repeatedly. Who knows? That's a tough one. But, you know, we got a few minutes left. Let's, you know, the last KPI is um, an interesting one as well. <laughs> um, you know, and I have to say some of these are very, I mean, savings is a result one. Um, contract reduction is result orientated. Small business utilization is result. But, you know, spend under management and to me and acquisition gateway utilization are very sort of process measures as to me. <laughs> but anyway, what what's the story with acquisition gateway utilization? The fifth of the five KPIs in terms of listing <laughs> yeah, that are in this uh, January 3rd uh, guidance on category management that OMB issued. Uh, it basically says how many people are using the website and are they using it appropriately to get the information they need to be able to manage. And it, it, it's like analytics, you know, web analytics. So somebody's going to be measuring people tracking tracking around the website, registered government users. I don't think they care so much about mm-hmm. the public users. And unfortunately, we don't have you know some stuff we'd like to see, like the dashboard that they have behind <laughs> the firewall. Why wouldn't uh, they share that? I don't yeah, know. Don't why, why would they share that? You know, because industries just, industries we're not about part of this equation. Yeah, yeah. No, we're not. Actually, I mean, when you stop think about it, no input on best in class. I, I mean, know. Yeah. Go ahead. It's a little frustrating. Yes. So, okay, you know, it's how how people are using the website. And the website, you know, the purpose of it is to provide a relatively consolidated, relatively singular kind of information source that can provide guidance, provide insight, information for users that have a procurement need that needs to be fulfilled. So, okay, if people are using it better and they're navigating around in a smart way, then, but, you know, what does that really have to do with category management? I don't think direct relationship, but that is a place where you can go to get category management information. Sort of like a soft kind of feel-good measure maybe or something. I don't know. I mean, it's like... (laughs) Um, I did have one other question. So it seems to me, you know, we've been in a regulatory freeze. We got to finish up here, but so we're in a regulatory freeze. You have the executive order on two for one. Like if you issue a new reg, you know, you got to eliminate two. That's got a very thorough um, process in place, you know, in OMB and OIRA to, you know, review burden and that sort of thing. So I just found it kind of interesting that this memo came out. Um, you know, after OMB back in the previous administration issued a circular and asked for public comment on it, they, that was never issued. We have a new administration. They put a regulatory freeze in here. And you cannot argue or dispute that category management and the way it's being implemented in these KPIs don't just impact the government. They, as you've made the note, that it impacts industry as well. Right, and whether it's like you know you, you're best in class because you do transactional data reporting, well, that's an additional burden on companies. 
So I'm just wondering, you know, why wouldn't, if you have any insight or thoughts, why wouldn't this have been gone through that burden, um, you know, analysis before it's put out? Why wouldn't they have sought comment from industry directly on this? And, uh, you know, I know there was something put out about a year ago or so about this, but, you know, at least with a new administration, start over, to your point, to try to right-size things. Any thoughts well, on that? This particular document we're referring to, this new January document, uh, is really just a guidance kind of document. It's not an official OMB memo. You know, so it, you know, even though the, the the first memo, you know, they were asking for comments on it, and I know that the coalition and others provided comments, but it was like that was that that was the memo. This is guidance on how to do the job of category management. Yeah, so that directly impacts industry. Yeah, yeah, well all of it does. I right? mean, but I'm just making that distinction first between, you know, what was an official OMB memo versus what's guidance coming out from a related agency, written by the Program Management Office for Category Management, which is you know crossing agency boundaries and all that. Right. So okay, that's one thing. Why didn't they seek industry input? Always a good question. Always a good question. Or reseek it, even if they thought of well, because it's new administration. Yeah. And but frankly, I don't think industry has a good handle on this either. And even if they were strategic sourcing or category managing in a truly fully commercial marketplace, you know, I read some of the the uh, supply chain kinds of analyses out there, and I don't think they've got a good handle on either. And I kind of go back to one of the points I was making in the previous segment about really understanding what the heck you're trying to measure and manage. And so taking a category and say, all right, if we're going to call this category ABC, then how big is it? What does it look like? What's its shape? Who are the players? And now you really get to start to understand those dynamics of where does industry play? So is it fair to say uh, you could call it a category management reset, like reset, get uh, to the, get it, get yes. where you need to get to figure more with more precision in a certain sense yes. about the size of the market and use, and that will lead to better KPIs and, or, right. you know, with and criteria, start measures more, and outcomes. More in input from yeah. industry too, yeah. because industry it. really is part of that category. You know, that's some inspired insight, Ray, right there. Um, my guest today has been Ray Bjorklund with Birchgrove Consulting, and you have been listening to Off the Shelf on Fed News Radio, 1500 AM. You've been listening to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear the entire show or any of our weekly programs anytime at federalnewsradio.com. Off the Shelf, only on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples... 
Temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits, such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 smart bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 special edition smart bed, plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.